0: Hello, dear listener. This is Tanner here with Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. A reminder that these episodes about Ukraine and Russia are not scripted. They are reporting as quickly as events happen, as often as I can get them. Sometimes I will misspeak. Sometimes I will say things that are untrue, simply because the information that I have at the time is all that I'm being given. In the future, we may look back at things I say here and we'll realize, oh, he was totally wrong about that. But remember, I am doing this because I want people to be as updated as I am, because I'm trying to stay as updated as possible about the events that are happening and trying to report them as unbiased as I possibly can. So with that being said, please give me grace if I misspeak, and please remember that I'm trying to do my absolute best. Without further ado, enjoy this one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. The show is Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. I'm Tanner, and as always, I'm talking about stuff that happened. Today, we don't have a lot to get through, and uh, I've got a lot i got to do today, but I did want to get this episode out because there's some interesting developments happening over in Ukraine, which is what we've been covering for the last little while. Remember, I am currently working on a long-form podcast, more like what I used to traditionally do on this podcast, where I talk about a topic, I have some fun sound effects um and in that episode I'm going to be covering everything that's happened leading up to this war so we can kind of understand why this war is going on because the this mainstream narrative that's like putin's a madman and he just wants power it didn't sit right with me and it's and from my research it makes sense that it didn't sit right with me because that's not the only reason that Putin has invaded russia and it's important to understand all of that the, the invasion is absolutely not justified and I'm not in support of it at all but it's important to understand that there's a lot of moving parts in this, and I am of the belief, and it's just my opinion, that we as human beings have a responsibility to use our critical thinking skills to try to understand what's going on in the world, rather than to just be fed a narrative. So, we're gonna get into that in probably next week. I- I'm assuming that episode's gonna be out next week. This is probably the last update that I'm gonna be publishing about the war until I release that episode. I may release a couple updates about the war if any significant developments happen after that, but it's not my plan currently to continue updating things on this podcast concerning the war in Ukraine unless something extremely drastic happens after I release that episode. After I release that episode, I'm going to go back to my Conflict of Nations series. I'm going to hopefully finish it this year, and then I'll move on to other topics that I've been excited to talk about. Now, with all of that administrative stuff out of the way, l- remember, if you enjoy the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, drop me a five-star review, let me know why you enjoy listening to the podcast, it means the world to me when I get some nice reviews, and share the show with one of your friends, um, or if you hate the show, I don't know why you're listening, but if you do hate the show, share it with one of your enemies, waste their time. Sharing the show with a friend is a great way to help this podcast grow and to help other people get involved with these conversations because it's important to have several sources where you get your news from. And I hope that you believe that I'm a reliable source. I try as hard as I can to be a reliable source. Now, with all that said, let's jump right into the meat and potatoes. And the meat and potatoes, as of right now, as of today, is that there is an extremely fascinating development happening over in Western Ukraine and the country of Moldova And Moldova has been pretty quiet since this war broke out. There was a a Moldovan ship that was hit by a Russian missile, and we believe it was an accident. But Moldova's been very quiet, even though they're the western neighbor to Ukraine. Moldova is an extremely poor European country. The dissolution of the Soviet Union hit them particularly hard. And it's been very difficult for them to get back on their feet. And one of the reasons it's been difficult for them to get back on their feet is because there is a region in eastern Moldova tiny region, a long strip of just tiny strip of land between the borders of Moldova and Ukraine that is a de facto independent state. There was a war fought there in 1992 and that war is called the Transnistria War and this territory is called Transnistria. It does have independence but it is not internationally recognized by everyone. Uh, Moldova still claims it as part of Moldova And there are some villages in Transnistria that do claim themselves to be part of Moldova. But there are also some villages in Moldova that claim themselves to be part of Transnistria. And the basis for this divide is that there are a lot of Russian-speaking people in eastern Moldova, and they identify more with the Russian Empire, and well, the Russian Federation, I should say. They identify more with the Russian Federation than they do with Moldova, similar to how a lot of eastern Ukrainians identify more with the Russian Federation than they do with Ukraine. Now, remember, us, the majority of my listeners are in the United States and uh, the United Kingdom, and so we don't really understand ethnic conflict. We're not raised in an area that has a national a national ethnic identity. Our, the American identity is, is multiethnic. It's just nor- that's 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 the norm. Now there are some people who could argue that being white means that you are part of the American ethnicity, but that's not necessarily true because ethnic ethnic conflicts and ethnic national ethnicities have large long-term historical backgrounds and that's why there's a russian identity that's why there's a german identity that's why their various african nations have conflict because their ethnic roots go so far back and white people have really only been on the american continent since really the 1600s 1500s, 1600s And the first settlements were put down in the very late 1500s and the early 1600s. And so before that, there were the Native Americans. So you could say the Native Americans are the uh, the national ethnic group of the United States. But they're such a minority now that it's really difficult to... Justify that kind of statement. So in all reality, we just don't understand ethnic conflict. It's not normal in our society, but there's a lot of other places in the world where ethnic conflict and ethnic rivalry is very present and Eastern Europe is one of them. Moldova has their own ethnic group. Romania has their own ethnic group. Poland has their own ethnic group. Ukraine has their own ethnic group, and Russia has a very strong ethnic group, but there's also other ethnic groups in Russia, like the Chechnyans, Siberians, there's a lot of different ethnic groups in that region, we just don't understand that. So, knowing that we don't understand that, it's important to go into this story trying to understand something that's not normal in our society. Where was I? Oh yeah, I was talking about Moldova and Transnistria and Ukraine and Russia. So, what was happening in eastern Moldova in 1992 is that a lot of Russian speakers in eastern Moldova decided they didn't want to be part of Moldova they wanted to be part of their they wanted to create a new nation because a lot of territory east of a certain river in Moldova had never really formally been under Moldovan control historically remember historical background is important to look at all of this so way back way way back thousand years back territory east of this certain river in Moldova was part of the Kievan Rus which was the precursor to Ukraine and Russia and this territory after the dissolution of the Soviet Union suddenly Moldova said hey we have control over this territory this narrow strip of land that was east of this river but west of the Ukrainian border was full of these Russian-speaking people and they said, hey, we don't identify with Moldova. We don't want to be part of your nation. We're going to be part of our own nation. So they declared independence. There was a quick war. And the war ended with Transnistria being formed. Transnistri- and Transnistria was, is an independent nation. They have their own government. They have their own... I believe they have their own currency. I'm not totally sure. They might use the uh, Russian ruble. And it's de facto independent. Even though Moldova says, no, that's part of Moldova, but they don't really fight wars over it anymore. Anyway, just a brief history about that. During that war, a lot of Russian soldiers felt very uh, sympathetic toward this cause. Now, Russia took a formal stance of neutrality in this war. They said, no, we're not part of this. We're not getting involved in any more wars. We have our own issues to worry about. You remember, they were fighting a war in Chechnya at this point. So, you know, they couldn't be bothered with it. But a lot of Russian soldiers and generals felt sympathetic, and so they actually defected from the Russian Federation, and uh, they resigned from the Russian military to go and help the Transnistrians fight this war against the Moldovans. They didn't really have anything against the Moldovans, but they had a lot to do with Russian ethnicity, and the Russian people, and people who spoke the Russian language. So... They wouldn't help fight that. So Russia got a little bit entangled in that. And after this war was over, all of those Russian soldiers and Russian generals went back to Russia. And so now they were, they had this tie to Transnistria. So what's going on now is that Russia has effectively changed their tactics in Ukraine. We've talked about Ukraine for the last two months, and we have examined how the Russian tactics have changed. And we know that the Russian tactics have formally changed to they're waging a fierce war in eastern Ukraine rather than trying to attack the capital of Kiev now. So Kiev is pretty safe in the north of Ukraine. But... Eastern Ukraine the Donbas region is now the site of the heaviest fighting of the war so far and Russia is expanding their influence and their they're advancing northward from Crimea in the south of Ukraine and so a lot of people are speculating now that Russia's aim is to take eastern Ukraine and the Donbas region and to take southern Ukraine Now, they want to take eastern Ukraine because that's the site of a lot of ethnic Russians. We've been talking about ethnic conflict here, and that was, and Putin has straight up said that this was his reason for invading Ukraine at the beginning, is because he wants to protect Russian people living in Ukraine. Remember, there's a civil war going on in Ukraine in the east of Ukraine, and a lot of Russian people are fighting against Ukrainians and they're trying to declare independence from Ukraine, and that's why the civil war's been going on, there have been atrocities committed on both sides, that's why Putin said this was his pretext for invading Ukraine, he wants to protect those Russian people. And so it would make sense that if he was invading Ukraine, he would want to annex this part of Ukraine, of eastern Ukraine, so that he could protect those Russian people, and put a border between those Russian people and Ukraine. And so this civil war would be at an end, Ukraine would lose the eastern part of Ukraine, and those Russian people would be protected. Now, it has expanded to... We, we now believe that Russia is trying to annex southern Ukraine. We know the siege for Mariupol has been going on for a long time, and actually the siege has formally ended, and uh, Putin has declared victory over Mariupol, which is good for the people of Mariupol. They can go back to living their lives and not be under such terrible circumstances. But that siege went on for a long time, over a month, and Russia probably lost a lot of troops in that, and the Ukrainians probably garnered a lot of anti-russian sentiment from that siege so if putin didn't care about that city if he was focusing on his goals that he stated at the beginning which were to denazify ukraine and to uh, demilitarize ukraine why would he focus so much on a small city on the port a small port city in southeastern ukraine Well, if you look at this on a broader scale, that would make sense because if he really does want to take all of eastern Ukraine and he wants to take southern Ukraine, that port city creates a vital junction between his eastern forces and his southern forces. And so if he really does want to try to annex all of eastern and southern Ukraine, that's why he would be so focused on that city. Now that Mariupol has fallen, Russian soldiers are probably going to advance westward. Now, where does Transnistria fall in all of this? Well, Transnistria is pro-Russian. I watched a video of some uh, people who travel. They went to Transnistria and they went to some bars, some restaurants, and there are like Soviet flags and statues of Lenin and Stalin all over Transnistria. It's very pro-Russian. And so Putin may now be wanting to advance, continue to advance westward toward Transnistria, taking all of the port cities on in southern Ukraine and making it all the way to Transnistria so that he can then call for peace, annex all of those port cities, and annex Transnistria, make it part of the Russian empire, which I'm sure the Transnistrians would be totally fine with because they're so pro-Russia, it would essentially kneecap Ukraine, it would take off all of their port cities on the Black Sea so that they would have, they would be a completely landlocked nation, and at that point they would have to comply with Russian demands because they would have no choice otherwise. I don't believe that this was Putin's plan at the outset of the war. I think that his tactics have changed since the beginning of the war. It wouldn't make sense for him to go this far and want this much at the beginning of this war. Now, there were a lot of outlets that were saying, yes, we want, Putin wants to conquer all of Europe, you know, all of this wild stuff that people are saying, but that's not true. I I don't believe that. I believe that his tactics are now very focused. I don't believe he wants to take over all of Ukraine. I believe he just wants certain parts of it. And the eastern part of Ukraine is the most obvious part. Southern Ukraine, I don't totally understand why he would want that, but... A couple of days ago, there were a series of explosions that took place in Transnistria, and a lot of people are thinking that Russia may have carried out those explosions as part of a plan to start involving Moldova in the war so that they can have justification for invading Moldova, taking Transnistria, and then completing that land corridor between Transnistria and the southern southern part of Ukraine, all the way over to eastern Ukraine, which would be the place that they would eventually annex take all of the ports from Ukraine, take Transnistria, and be able to sue for peace with extremely favorable terms. I think that's what's going to happen now. I think that's Putin's new t- new tactic. I don't know for sure, but I believe that it was important enough for me to sit down before I go to work today and talk about this briefly so that Anybody who listens to this podcast can have an understanding of what I believe is now going to happen, what I believe the new phase of this war is going to be. Now, we'll be able to see if my theory is correct when we see Putin's advance in the Donbas eventually come to a halt. Putin tried to invade from three separate places, the south, the east, and the north. In the north, his advance stagnated, in the south, his advance stag- stagnated, the only place that he now has to send troops in to focus troops in is the east. So and he's done that, he's sending a lot of troops to the east now and now we are seeing the battle of donbas which is the most which is the fiercest battle of the war so far. Let's closely watch Putin's advance in the donbas. If he gets far enough west and then suddenly his forces come to a halt, it means that's the line to which he wants to annex. I don't think he wants to annex all of Ukraine. That would create a much bigger problem for him than anything. And, you know, he'd be looking at a Vietnam-like situation. I genuinely don't think Putin wants that. That would sap his economy completely dry. And I imagine the sanctions that the West has put up would remain in place if he were to try to take all of Ukraine. Now, if he were to just take part of Ukraine, I think that would be enough for for the West to start putting their sanctions down and everybody's economies to get buoyed up a little bit again. Now, if those Russian forces eventually do come to a halt when they're heading West, then it's important to look to the South and see what happens southward. Because if forces in North... Uh, northeastern Ukraine come to a halt, they say, okay, this is all the territory we want, then we need to start looking at what's happening in the southwest of Ukraine toward the city of Odessa. If Russians attack Odessa, that can almost certifiably mean that their plan is to take all of southern Ukraine over to Transnistria, take those Russian-speaking regions, make them part of Russia, and then take all of southern Ukraine, make all that part of Russia also. Completely kneecap Ukraine, make the Peace talks favorable to Russia. The war ends. Russia takes all of southern Ukraine and eastern Ukraine. Ukraine is a shell of a nation at that point. But Ukraine does continue to exist, which I believe a lot of people are thinking that that Russia's eventual aim is to make Ukraine cease to be a nation altogether. I don't think that's Russia's aim. I don't think that's their goal. I think their goals are a little bit more elaborate than that. That's what I think little bit shorter of an episode today, but I got to head to work now. So remember, if you enjoy the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, drop me a five-star review. Let me know that you enjoy what you're hearing. Let me know that you appreciate my analysis of the situation. Um, and again, my friends who I know in real life who listen to this podcast, it means the world to me that you listen to this podcast. And also, thank you for letting me know in person. Thanks for giving me a tap on the shoulder and being like, hey, just so you know, I listen to your podcast and I really appreciate it. That really means the world to me. So keep doing that because I really like it. And remember, Probably sometime next week, I will be releasing my long-form episode that is about the entire history leading up to the war in Ukraine and what Putin's initial aims were in attacking Ukraine. I think it's very important, and a lot of stuff that I've dug up is very interesting. So, stay tuned for that, and then following that, I will restart work on my Conflict of Nations series to hopefully finish it by the end of the year. Thank you all for listening to that. And thank you all for listening to the podcast altogether. I will catch you, hopefully, next week. This will probably be my last update on the war before I release that big episode, unless something really big happens. If Russia actually does attack Moldova, then that's obviously very big, and I will release an episode then. But, in the meantime, go hug your friends, go hug your family, let them know you love them. Catch y'all soon. Bye-bye.